Okay, the story begins. We are on chapter 11, which is page 132 in our books. So we're discussing the Russia. Just as a reminder, we have these three levels of people. There's the tzaddik, translated usually as the righteous person. The Russia translated literally or usually as the wicked person. And the Bainini translated as the, as the in-betweener. <laughs> and I'm going to we try my best to wean us off these translations and stick to the Hebrew words because these translations don't do justice. These are dangerous translation, translations. You could be very righteous. You might not actually be a tzaddik in the, from the Tanya's perspective. And you could be a Russian. It doesn't mean you're wicked. You could be a very good person and still a Russian. That's okay. Um, so the, the translations are, can be very confusing. The translation of a tzaddik, based on chapter 10 that we learned last week, somebody who has totally internalized the, the divine soul, that is his guiding compass. That's his moral compass. The animal soul does not guide him, doesn't influence him, either because he's a complete tzaddik and the animal soul is not present, He's transformed it, or at least he's um, subdued it to the point where it has zero influence. That's what a tzaddik means. His moral compass or his guiding compass, not just in terms of morality, but in all areas of life, is his good inclination, his divine soul, not the animal soul. So this chapter, 11, discusses what a Russia is. What's a Russia? The exact opposite of a tzaddik. A Russia means somebody who is guided by their animal soul, by their animal impulse. Doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad person. They could do many good things. But once in a while, they lose control because what is their guiding compass? The animal the soul. Animals. So it doesn't mean they're wicked. Somebody could be a Russia, and that doesn't make us a, make them a wicked person. It makes them a person who's not in control of themselves, but rather controlled by their, their animal impulse. And b- before we read on in this chapter, just to, to express that idea with a Talmudic source, I'm gonna, we're going to jump to chapter 17, uh, page 205. <clears throat> the author quotes from the Talmud. Um, this is the bottom bold paragraph at the bottom of 205. The last bold paragraph towards the end of the page. This is chapter 17. As our sages of blessed memory taught, this really says it all, that Rishaim, which is plural for Russia, Russia is controlled by their hearts. Their hearts aren't in control at all. The difference between a tzaddik and a rasha, a rasha is controlled by his heart. A tzaddik controls his heart. Okay. That's the difference. You might be controlled by your heart. If you have a good heart, you might be a good person, but you're still not in control. And occasionally, this person who's controlled by their heart may slip. Because they're not totally in control, they have the title Russia. 
doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad person. It does mean that they are doing bad things, at least occasionally. So like an addict, somebody that's an addict, what you would describe as a Rasha because they're, they're a good person, but unfortunately they're occasionally, you know, doing bad things. Is that like somebody yeah. like that? In other words, basically acting impulsively. Right. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. A Rasha acts on his impulses. A tzaddik doesn't act on his impulses, on his negative impulses, because he doesn't have those impulses. Now, a Bainani is the middle guy. He's between a tzaddik and the rasha because he's not like a tzaddik. He has the impulses, but he's not like the rasha because he doesn't act on those impulses. So he's in the middle. He's caught in between the two. That's the Bainani, and we're going to discuss that next week in Chapter 12 at uh, greater detail. But the rasha, he's the person that acts on his impulses. His impulses are not only present, his impulses actually um, impact his behavior. I think an addict is a great, uh, a good example. A very good example, because this is kind of what the idea of, you know, there's many different models of addiction. So, but, but this is kind of the idea of what addiction is. There's something else controlling me, not me. Um, let's take a look back on 132, where he, he actually defines what the Russia is. Um, and by the way, there's two types of Russias. There's the incomplete Russia, where, and then there's the complete Russia, which we'll talk about that soon. Uh, Page 132, the middle of the page, where it says uh, this means, it's the bold paragraph. Right at smack in the middle of the page of 132. This means that in the incomplete Russia, the good of his divine soul found both in his brain and the right chamber of his heart, as we discussed in chapter 9, is at least to some extent suppressed and voided by the evil in the left chamber of the heart, which comes from Klippa. So he has good, he has many good qualities, but they're suppressed. Maybe they're not always suppressed, but even occasionally they're suppressed. And look what he says in the next bold paragraph. This status too of an incomplete Russia subdivided into many tens of thousands of different levels. There's many different levels, depending on to what extent the good is suppressed and voided by the evil both in quantity and quality, God forbid. How, in other words, how much is the good suppressed in that person and how often is it suppressed in that person? <clears throat> um, for some, it might be very unoften. You know, they might be sinning, slipping, falling, uh, you know, once in a blue moon. But they didn't do Teshuvah yet, they haven't repented, they didn't return yet, so they're still in that mode. So even though now they're not sinning, but it's something that they have done in the past, they haven't left that past yet, it's still part of them. So because they've lost control, something controlled them other than themselves, they're classified as Russia. Right? Make sense? 
like breaking your diet. Exactly. Exactly. That's that. I mean, that's a good example. Not to say, although, not to say you're a Russia if you break your diet, but that is a good example. Um, in other words, what in, what caused somebody to break their diet? Being impulsive. Or Being impulsive, right? Being a uh, cookie that looked really good. If I was being intentional, <clears throat> I would be asking myself, is this good for me? But because I'm being impulsive, what I'm thinking is, is this pleasurable? By the way, the incredible thing about diets, everybody's starting diets. Nobody's in the middle of diets, you know? <laughs> Either starting or finishing. There's no middle. <laughs> um, but no, no, diet is a good example. A person breaks their diet. Something else caused them to break their diet. Now, I only did it once. It was one small cookie. Okay, good. So you're not that unhealthy. But you still crossed the line. You broke the diet. Lost control. In other words, in terms of reward and punishment, which is not the focus of Tanya, but from a reward and punishment perspective, there's a big difference between the Russia who is sinning often, perhaps multiple times a day, and the Russia who sins once in a blue moon, right? From a reward and punishment perspective, in terms of his brownie points with God, if you will, there's a big difference. There really is, right? But in terms of defining him, where he's holding in his relationship with God, he has a lot in common with the sinner who sins every day, right? And the guy who sins one, once in a blue moon. What do they have in common? They're just acting on impulse. They're both being impulsive. It's just a question of how often. Fine, this guy is less often impulsive, but he still is impulsive, right? So a, a question. Yeah. Okay, you go to shul on Shabbos, we drive to shul on Shabbos. It's, it's a sin. It's not being impulsive, it's, it's being, okay, we know we're doing something that would be counted as a sin. And it's being thought of. It's not being impulsive. Does that make you totally wicked? Wicked is not the right word. Well, using the word wicked for Russia, does that, does that constitute being a Russia? A, a Russia means any, any sin would constitute somebody as a Russia. It doesn't mean they're wicked. It doesn't mean that they're bad. But it means they're acting on something they're acting in a way that they shouldn't be. It doesn't, again, this is why I want to use, veer away from the term wicked, because wicked is not a good word. Wicked is an inaccurate word. Um, but it's, maybe, truth is, maybe, maybe the word impulsive is not 100% accurate. I mean, look, we discussed in chapter, uh, earlier in chapter 9, the fight between the two souls, right? One soul is in the mind, one soul is in the heart. The divine soul is more um, level-headed, if you will. The animal soul is more emotional. Um, sometimes that's impulsive, but sometimes 
you know, we have to ask ourselves, is our mind guiding our emotions or is our mind justifying our emotions? Basically, those are the two souls trying, you know, that's how we reconcile the two souls. Which soul is in charge? Am I justifying my emotions, which means I'm following my heart? Or am I guiding my emotions? Am I guiding my heart? A tzaddik, as discussed in chapter 10, totally guides his heart. His heart has, his, his, the negative side of his heart is either non-existent or at least has no influence on him. He, um, the the Rasha is the other way around. He justifies what his heart tells him with his actions, with his mind. But then you have the Bainini who has the impulse. He wants, he's going to do the, he wants, he has the, 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 the interest in sinning, the, the, the drive to sin, the impulse to sin, the impulse to do the incorrect thing. But the Bainini won't. The difference between the Bainini and the Rasha is just action, it's just behavior. Emotionally, they're pretty much in the same place. So the problem with the Rasha is not that he wants to sin. Abenini also wants to sin. And we're, again, our goal, the goal of Tanya is not to be a tzaddik, not to be internally perfect. The problem with the Benini, with the Rasha is not that he wants to sin. It's that he does sin. Um, and again, you're right, there are different types of sins. Some are more premeditative. Some are more intentional. Some are more reactive, impulsive. But generally, um, if, if, we, if we think about it hard and long enough, we come to the conclusion that it didn't really make sense, necessarily, or at least not 100%, that it, that it was more emotionally driven rather than intellectually driven. Um, does that make sense? Yes. And that, that's why I use the word impulsive. Um, impulsive is maybe not the accurate translation, but it's emotionally driven. But we can justify, we can, but bottom line, um, whenever we do something we shouldn't be doing. And look, everybody has their own examples. Everybody has their, my favorite line, don't, sin some, don't, don't judge somebody just because they sin differently than you. Everybody has their thing. Everybody has their thing that they need to work on that they need to somehow figure out. Everybody has their area. Um, and the bottom line is that it's emotional because it's from the animal soul. Well, and again, what makes the person the Russia is not that they have that will or drive or interest in sinning, it's that they actually do it. A great, great statement from the Katzker Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Katzk. He was a, 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 the Hasidic leader of the Katzker dynasty. And he used to say that I don't blame people for having the drive to sin. I blame people for having the time to sin. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Because expect somebody to not be driven towards sin is expecting them to be a tzaddik and that's not the expectation we're having. 
right? A tzaddik has a very high standard, as we learned in last week's um, discussion, in last week's chapter, chapter 10. That's not the expectation. The expectation isn't internal perfection. It's doing what we should behaviorally. Um, emotionally, we will, it is going to be a struggle. As we said on the bottom of 32, uh, sorry, 132, the status of the incomplete Russia is subdivided into many tens of thousands of levels. So I just wanted to share an insight that I came across. I'm going to share my screen with you guys. Um, hold on. Where are we? Okay. Can you see it? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so a verse from Samuel, from the book of Samuel. This is text three over here. A verse from the book of Samuel. The context of this verse is Nathan, Nathan, reprimanding King David. King David did something which upset Nathan, Nathan. So Nathan tries to give him an analogy and says, there was once this evil person who did such and such, and we'll read it in the text. What do we do to such a person? And David says, that's an evil person. I can't believe it. And Nathan says, that was you. He framed him. That's just the context of the verse, but the Talmud, and we're using it for a different context, and you'll see and see. So here's what the verse says. This is what Nathan says to King David. One day a traveler came to the rich man, but was reluctant to take anything from his own flocks herd or herds to prepare a meal for the guests who had come to him. So he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So Nathan was telling King David there were two men in the city. One was wealthy, one was poor. A traveler came to the poor to the rich man. He was referring to King David. The traveler was sorry. The the wealthy man was reluctant to help and prepare a meal for this guest. So this man, this traveler, had to go to the poor guy instead. Now what's interesting though, putting the context of the verse aside. This traveler, who is referred, is referred to as the evil inclination, and his title keeps changing. First he's a traveler, then he's a guest, then he's the man. There seems to be a lack of uniformity in the verse, in Nathan's statement. What does this lack of uniformity teach us? So let's look to text uh, four. This is from the Talmud. Rava, the Talmudic sage Rava said, initially the verse refers to the, in, the evil inclination as a traveler coming from afar. Subsequently, the verse calls it a guest because what happens, we become more comfortable with our evil impulse, with our evil influence, our animal soul's influence. And we begin welcoming, we, we begin to welcome it. Oh, you could stay here, you'd stick around. <laughs> Ultimately, the verse calls it a man because it takes over, indicating significance as if it became the homeowner. So the, the verse is referring to the evil inclination. And it changes its name from traveler to guest to actually the man. Because there's 
this is, this is kind of the story of, of our lives, each, each of us in our own way. We have our, um, we have advice. We get advice, right? A feeling we should be doing something that we shouldn't be. It's kind of just a knock on the door. We should be doing something that we shouldn't be. Yeah. But it starts off as a traveler. Wait a minute. That thought doesn't belong in my head. It must be just passing through. But then we become more welcoming. It becomes more comfortable like a guest. And eventually it becomes our identity. And that's the idea of the Russia. The Russia, his negativity, his, his, um, he soon became his identity because it was expressed in his behavior. Now, it's not actually his identity. But at least on the surface, on the surface, on the surface, it appears that way. Now, this is all referring to the incomplete Russia. What's the difference between the incomplete Russia and the complete Russia? One second. I have it in my notes. Now, I'm going to take a step back while you're looking at your notes. What's the difference between the complete Tzaddik and the incomplete Tzaddik? Because they're very similar. The, the complete Sadek never has an evil thought at all. Um, and uh, he doesn't have to suppress it because he doesn't have any, any uh, evil thoughts. Okay. Whereas the good, whereas the incomplete Sadek, he also doesn't have those thoughts, but it doesn't even have that animal soul to want to have those thoughts. But it has the thoughts, but it doesn't act, he doesn't act on it. So that's going to be the Bainini. The Bainini has the thoughts, has the feelings, doesn't act on them. The Tzaddik doesn't even have the feelings, but there's two types of Tzaddiks. One Tzaddik doesn't have the feelings because he's suppressing them. One Tzaddik has, doesn't have the feelings because he doesn't even have that potential. He got rid of that animal soul. The Rasha is the exact opposite of the Tzaddik, right? The incomplete Rasha means... He hasn't totally rid himself from his positive identity. Most people who you encounter, encounter that's a Russia, and not that it's our job to judge what people fall under, but most Russias are incomplete, which is a good thing. You don't want to be a complete Russia. It's a good thing to be an incomplete Russia. An incomplete Russia means I'm not completely out of control. There's times where I am in control. There's times where my animals, my divine soul does inspire me. There's times where I do refrain from doing the wrong thing. I'm not completely a Russia. I'm partially a Russia, but I have my, my, my divine soul is still very much present. Now, again, to varying degrees, depending on the person. Anybody who regrets something that they've done that they shouldn't have, it's an incomplete Russia. And that's why they have regrets. Because but they haven't... That wouldn't be who you are all the time. I mean, maybe in that moment, you're an incomplete Russia, but mostly you're a Benini, right? I mean, if you're, I mean, it's like a label. I mean, oh, I'm an incomplete Russia, but not 100%, 24-7. I mean, mostly you can be a Benini, right? So... You know, the example that I heard 
is you have a guy who's super punctual, but his watch one time um, failed. His watch stopped, he didn't realize, and he was late for the airport, missed his flight. He's frustrated, he resets his watch. But that's not good enough. Are you gonna rely on that watch in the future? Yeah. You can't rely on that watch in the future. Even though it was only once. And even though it was a long time ago, you have to go to the shop, you gotta fix the watch, the watch, right? A person slipped, and it was only once, and it's not, you know, fine, we slip, we're humans. You know what happens. But until we actually do teshuvah, which is return, repent, and there's different levels of teshuvah. There's returning and there's repenting, and we'll talk about that later. Until we actually do the teshuvah, we still have that label, Rasha, even though right now I'm not sinning. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to do good things. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be inspired. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be a contributor to the world. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to feel my divine soul and all the beautiful things. But we still have that label because we still have that we're still in the sinning mode until we've left it. Until we've actively left it, which is the idea of teshuvah. And we'll talk about teshuvah later, in later chapters, chapter 17 and later on as well. Make sense? Mm-hmm. But somebody who... So somebody could be a very big sinner. <clears throat> sin very often. Sin in very grave ways. Very bad ways person could even be evil but they regret which means they're not a complete Russia because where's that regretting come from their soul it's coming from the divine soul which means they're not a complete Russia because the divine soul still has some relevance to them which is why they feel bad which is why they regret right so then what's a complete Russia Somebody I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody you probably don't know, which is a good thing. Most of us don't know the, complete rushes. The, the, there is no repentance at all, and there's just, um, you're just doing, the, the animal soul is in total control. Okay, good. So you, you got part of it. The animal soul is totally in control. The divine soul is totally pushed out. But there's no such thing as no repentance. A person could always come home. A person can always come back. And we'll, we'll talk about that soon, how that works. How could you come back if the divine soul kind of left? <laughs> how, does that, um, how does that work? The idea is, and as he says in the conclusion of the chapter, a person who's a complete Russia who's not only acting on his impulses, but his impulse is literally his only guide. His animal soul is literally his only guide. He's come because the animal's divine soul has no influence. That's a complete Russia, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have a divine soul. It means he has a divine soul that he's not aware of. You see the difference? Mm-hmm. A complete Russia it's not that he doesn't have the divine soul. He's not aware consciously of that divine soul. And this is what he says. Um, 
I'm, I'm going to read from the top bold from the bold paragraph in the top of 137 in the English. This is the end of the chapter. But a person who never feels remorse and does not have any thoughts of repentance at all is classified as a Russia who has a bad, in other words, a, a complete Russia. And in this case, the evil of the animal souls, all that remains is having influence within him. That's his identity. For the evil has so overwhelmed the good that it has caused the good to depart within him and good has no role in his inner life. But here's the, here's the catch. doesn't mean that the good isn't, existence, isn't exist, in existence. Of course, this does not mean that he actually has lost his divine soul. It only, sorry, it is only that his inf, its influence has been banished. The divine soul's there. It's just that its influence is not. His good still exists, hovering above his body, but it does not penetrate him. Hovering above his body, not necessarily in the literal sense, but in the metaphor metaphorical sense, it's above his head. It's something he's not aware of, he's conscious of. In other words, no matter how evil of a sinner one might be, Nothing can change their Jewish identity. The soul is still there. When a person sins, they're just less aware of that soul. So we become, you know, we become desensitized when we're involved in activity that we shouldn't be. We don't lose our soul. You can never lose your soul. You can only lose awareness of it. We can become desensitized. But we can always regain that sensitivity, which is what the idea of teshuvah is. There's the well-known story in the Talmud of Elazar ben Dodarya. Elazar, the son of Dodarya, was quite an impulsive person. And the Talmud says he was going after every single um, woman of ill rapport that he could find impulsively. He would cross great lakes go across the widest of seas, travel great distances, because that was his, um, he would get a high. He was an addict. And he was in the middle of this ill activity with this ill woman, whom he heard about. He finally found out there was one woman who he's never been with. And have you guys heard the story before? No. Okay, so there was finally one woman. This is, this is what the Talmud says about There was one woman who he, he was told that he's never been with. And he says, me? I haven't? What do you mean? It was beneath his dignity to, to not have sinned with everybody. And he went great lengths to track this lady down, paid her the sum of money, did his sin, and she tells him, Elazar ben Dodaria is never going to do teshuvah, is never going to be accepted by God. He's never going, he's going to be a big nothing. This is what she tells him. And for some reason, that brought him to a realization that hit home. He sat down with his head between his knees, he started crying. And he went to the mountains 
and said to the mountains, this is what the Talmud says, save me. They said, save yourself. Nothing we can do. They went to the star, to the sun, to the moon, save me. There's nothing you can do. I said, save yourself. Nothing, we're not here to help you. We can't help you. He says, finally, he sat down, put his head between his knees. He started crying. And his soul expired. And it said, the Talmud said that Rabbi, Allah has been the diary, referred to him as Rabbi at this point, acquired his portion in the world to come, his spot in heaven, in just one moment. And the explanation is, he went to the mountains referring to his surroundings, trying to blame it on his upbringing. It's my surroundings, my upbringing, my environment, it's their fault, it's not my fault. They said, no, fend for yourself, kid. The sun, the moon, that which is above him, his mother and father, right? Sun and moon are like a husband and wife. Blaming them, the way he was raised. No, fend for yourself, kid. And finally, he did just that. He fended for himself. He started crying. He returned to God, and he acquired his, world, his portion of the world to come. And the point is, the reason why I bring this story is this guy totally was unaware of his divine soul because he was such a deep sinner. He was a complete Russia. Most people we know, there's very few people, I hope we don't know any complete Russians. I don't think we do. <laughs> um, but this guy was a complete Russia at that point, and he was still able to access his divine soul through Teshuvah. Yeah. <laughs> because the idea is, no matter how far gone we are, we've never got rid of our divine soul. We've just become desensitized toward it, less aware of it. I'll give you an, an, an analogy. It's one of my favorite analogies that I came across in the Al-Tareb, the author of the Tanya is one of his other discourses. He has a lot of other writings besides the Tanya, and, and he writes a great analogy for Teshuvah, for returning, becoming more aware of the divine soul. He says, the sun is always shining. There's always... There's not a moment in the day where the sun's not illuminating. Even at night, it's dark outside. The sun is still illuminating. But you only see its illumination on the moon. So it's shining on the moon, right? 100% of the time, either it's shining directly in the daytime or it's shining at nighttime indirectly through the moon, but it's always shining. We're always getting its light. Now, there's times where the moon does not reflect the sun's light. Right before Rosh Chodesh, right? When the moon is at its smallest point. It's not reflecting the sun's light. That doesn't mean the sun's not shining. What does it mean? The moon's in the wrong spot. But if the moon were to go into the right spot, just move a little bit into the right place, it will shine, it will reflect the sun. And it's the same thing with our hearts and minds. Our hearts and minds are like the moon and our souls are like the sun. Our divine souls like the sun. There's times where we don't feel our divine soul. We're not aware of it. And it doesn't mean that it's not shining. It doesn't mean that it's not illuminating. All it means is that our hearts and minds are in the wrong spot and we just have to shift a little bit. We have to return a little bit. And that's what teshuvah means. The word teshuvah translated often as repentance, but translated literally. 
return. We just need to return our heart and mind, realign ourselves to the right place. And that's why there's no such thing really as a, as a Jew who doesn't believe. There's a person who's unaware or unconscious of the belief that they have. And we'll talk about more of that. We're going to talk more about this, elaborate more about this later in later chapters, chapter 18, chapter 29. And it's going to be a lot of fun. But because this is just the... It's because it's hard to believe that uh, David Berkowitz, son of Sam, or, you know, somebody like that, has a soul right um right or bernie madden you know i mean it's hard right. to believe that these people their soul is hidden you know that there is a soul i mean i know everybody has a soul but when you are a person like that so even a person like that still has it they're just totally desensitized Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story that I heard. Madden probably is more desensitized. I could see that. I think he just got lost, but like a son of Sam, where I, I you know, it was much more intentional, I believe. Which was in. They're both bad, very bad. There's a great story, and I forgot the details of the story, and I, I'm going to have to refresh my memory for later. I'll share it with you later, but with Bugsy Siegel. Bugsy Siegel and his buddy. What was his name? Bugsy Siegel's, um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The guy in Las Vegas. Yeah, the exactly. mafias. They, they wouldn't yeah. kill on Chavez because you can't work on Chavez. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bugsy Siegel and his buddy. Um, I forgot his name. There's a whole story how they were helping Jews, giving charity to Ma Jews in Israel. Meyer, what was his name? Meyer something or other. Meyer, yeah. Meyer but, Landsman? Yes, Lansman. Meyer Lansman or Lansky? Lansky. Meyer Lansky. Meyer, Bugsy Siegel, Meyer Lansky. I have to find that story for you guys later. I'm going to try to get the story later. Um, but there's a story. You know, they were, they were pretty evil. <laughs> they did a lot of evil things. And at some point, they still became aware and broke through of their divine soul. And we're actually helping fellow Jews during the times of the Holocaust. And I forgot the details of the story, and I totally oh, just spoiled it. But in, yeah. but in the mean, but so remind me if, if somebody can remind me, and I'll try to get that story. But I'll tell you a different story in the meantime. And I'm going to say this story again in chapter 18, where it's even more relevant. But I'm saying it now because I can't hold myself back. Um, <laughs> the story was. A, in one of the concentration camps, and unfortunately I don't remember which one it was, a Nazi approached a Jew with a gun and says, curse your God. He says, no. He says, you curse your God or I shoot you. I'm not cursing my God. He shoots him in the leg. The Jew falls down. He says, Again, with the gun pointed at him, curse your God, and I'll take you to the hospital. We'll clean you up. We'll fix you. You'll be good. Otherwise, I shoot your other leg. And 
he knows how painful it is already, experientially, not just conceptually. And he says, no. Shoots his leg. And this keeps happening. He shot off both his arms. Eventually, he killed him. There was a bystander crying. Crying hysterically. And a couple of other bystanders are surprised that he's crying this hysterically because this wasn't something unusual that they've experienced over the past however many years. And they said, you know, we've been pretty, unfortunately, desensitized. We see this often. Why are you crying? He says, you don't know how emotional this is for me. This individual who was just shot up was my father. And he says, my father was a sworn atheist. He swore. He said, over my dead body, I don't believe in any God. There's no such thing. And when he was told, curse your God, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Philosophically, maybe he didn't believe in God. He didn't understand it. Emotionally, he had a very challenging time with it, which is very understandable. But soulfully, go a layer deeper. He had that soul. And it was horrible that a negative situation, um, you know, inspired him to to, to 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 realign himself. It was horrible, but it brought out his soul. It brought out his faith. And that's bottom line. There's no such thing as losing the divine soul. You know, in Judaism, there is a throughout the Torah. The Torah has different punishments for different sins. And very often you see the punishment of karet, which was being cut off, excision, which represents a spiritual being cut off from God. And the Al-Terebbe, the author of the Tanya, again in that discourse that I referenced earlier, explains that you're not being cut off from God. There's no such thing. You're a part of Him. You're a piece of Him. There's consciously, emotionally, intellectually feeling cut off. Because we become desensitized. But, am I, but I'm never actually cut off. I can always return. I can always come back. Now, this is all talking about a complete Russia who's totally desensitized. Even he still has that spark. Still has it within him. Now, most people aren't at that level, which is not a bad thing. Right? We slip once in a while. And our divine souls are still a much greater part of our lives and still have a very influential part of our lives. And our goal is to get it to be even more influential, to become a Benini. And we'll talk about that next week. Okay. Make sense? Thank you. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay. Well, we thank you very much. Thank you. It was interesting. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining.